Hello, you're listening to the Consequential Podcast. I'm Dave, with me, Roger. Good evening. Lucy. Hi. That was good, I liked that. I think that was the, the cleanest intro we've ever had, because we've been practicing for two and a half hours. No one said anus. This week, we're going to be talking about uh, gay representation in mainstream comics, which is going to be interesting. Um, but first of all, what have you read? Roger, you go first. Tell us what you've read. I've read some comics, some of which contain some gay representation. Um, Jolly fucking good. Thank sorry, you for no, doing no, the no. base reading required. No, so... I was going to get into a whole thing about why we're doing this. We can come to that later, mm. but... One of the things I've read is Captara, which is was kind of one of the sort of spurs for that. But we can maybe... Do you want to talk about that now? Let's talk about Captara now. Okay, so it's the new thing by um, Chip Zdarsky and... Oh, Kagan oh, McLeod. Thank you. I, I couldn't remember. I had a brain fell. Um... And this is, this, is, this is slightly embarrassing. Uh, Captara was announced a while ago, like we've known it's coming for months, and there's been a reasonable amount of online activity about it that I had to go back and read in bulk out of interest because when it was first announced and then hearing it talked about on Twitter, I got very confused and thought it was a new Netflix kids cartoon. How? How did you do that? I don't know, something about the way the name sounds. But people were, maybe there's something else that's, I don't know, people were talking about Captara and being excited, and maybe I saw a a still or something that looked... Did you confuse dumb. it with Legend of Korra? Maybe. Is that a kid's cartoon? Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to give you What's an excuse. What's a Legend of Korra? It's the sequel to Avatar. As Does it in... have any benders? It's something. <laughs> You're on point. Uh, I, I, I assume Avatar as in... The last as in the, like, not, uh... mangery thing, not horrible cultural imperialism... Blue dudes in yeah. space. Yeah, yeah the, f- the first one. Yeah. I think you've mashed together the words Avatar and Korra and come up with Captara. Okay, I, I genuinely... Because, you know, you I get the, new, the, new streaming, the new streaming service original content stuff comes around. There's the, there's the Amazon pilots. There's the Netflix stuff. It was all around the same time, and I just, I just assumed it was a, a dumb kid's cartoon, so I didn't watch it. Why in the name of shit would Chip Zdarsky be writing a children's cartoon? Who would allow that? That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't should that do be that? amazing? Well, that's basically why we have governments, so that doesn't happen. <laughs> oh, come on. I don't trust governments to prevent that from happening. Yeah. If Starsky wants to write a kid's cartoon, he'll write a kid's cartoon. They didn't even put a man on the moon. Chip, write a kid's cartoon! Did you... You, you saw his, um... Before Watchmen uh, pitch, didn't you? I'll put was, a link to it in the show notes. It's, was it's, it just Dr. Manhattan's cock? No, it was Dr. Manhattan's ring piece. Dr. <laughs> Manhattan was just going to mostly be shot from behind, leaning over. <laughs> that was the main differentiator between it and Watchmen. I bet he has a cat. What, Dr. Manhattan? Dr. Mancatton. I don't know, I think he's just a terrible human. Anyway, Captara is not a kid's cartoon, and I did eventually get around to reading it. You don't need to disavow anyone else of that. No one else has done that unless they have the same specific (laughs) brain problems and drinking problems that you do. Some people must. We have an audience, after all. True. Yeah, but there's a reason we're on the microphone. It's because we're, like, the worst possible version of them and they're, like, the normal people who listen to this and think about how things might be if they continue down this path. God, we're, like, a hundred people's that guy. We're a cautionary tale. Yeah. I'm a cautionary tale. We're all a cautionary tale. 
Kantar is a cautionary tale about going to Mars. But doing it wrong. Doing it quite wrong. Tell us what happened. Um, what happens reason. in Captara is that basically everyone's an idiot, but it's really colourful. Um, and a, du- a dude called Keith gets stuck on an alien planet and appears to have to sort of get involved in a fantasy adventure. There might be a nudist wizard. It's, it's He-Man. He gets stuck in He-Man. Pretty much. Um, it's very... Like, there's a lot of pinks and purples and rich, slightly sort of icky, fleshy fauna. Uh, flora and fauna, actually. There's a lot of, like... You know the second volume of Armour? Have you guys... No. So some of the really disturbing vegetation and also wildlife and the stuff that could be either in, in Armour is like a crisper, more threatening version of the horrible, pulpy flora in this. It's a, it's for like our a, older listeners, that is a uh, Yes album cover. That's the equivalent for old people. Carry on. It's, it's, it's Icky Planet. Yes. Um, and on it is some sort of mad, yeah, He-Man style shit. So this guy Keith, Keith Kanga. Yeah. Um, it's it's really He-Man. The bad guy is called Skull Thor, which is brilliant. I, I like that. And it, it knows it's being stupid. So Keith is is on this spaceship, and he's going to Mars to be a bio something involved in terraforming, I think. And they get shipwrecked. And everyone's an idiot, but the people that are less incompetent than him all end up dead, and then he ends up in the court of some kind of alien queen, having Skull Thor explained to him, and just generally the mad fantasiness. Yeah, and which he assigns as a very good way to escape his many, many problems. Yes. Um, his many problems appearing to mostly derive from him being a little bit of a prick. Yes. Um, he appears to be a bit of a prick. Yes. And one of the reasons this kind of got a bit of attention is that Zdarsky and uh, McLeod... McLeod? McLeod? I'd say McLeod. It sounds, it's, it sounds cool because they say it that way in Highlander. Yeah. Um, decided to um, talk about this in the press quite a lot as gay saga. Um, you base all your life decisions on what sounds cool in Highlander as an aside. Yeah, that's why my firstborn child is going to be called the Kurgan. Okay. Can't argue with that. No. Sorry, gay saga. Yeah. And Not just travel insurance for old people who have to be gay. <laughs> there would be a market for that. Mm. You can have that one for free, folks. Ah, uh, no. You're looking for a product idea. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we're equipped to sell insurance. I don't, really I don't think we are set up to sell don't. insurance. We might be set up to extort people. Yeah. I mean... I'm quite big, I've got a wrench. I can use my words to yeah. withering effect. I'd be like the sort of weird... You're wish. like Jabba's little mate. <laughs> oh! Oh, fuck you. I mean I... the one that sits on his shoulder and squeaks, not the one who wanders around going, Jabba, no one see you, no Jabba wanker. I am not the salacious crumb in this transaction. Oh, very good. Very good. It's not good if you are good at something that is bad. Like, he looks like a rejected gremlin model. He's a muppet. You look like a rejected gremlin model. I that's, do. That's unfortunate. No, it's not good. T- tell, us, tell us about Gay Saga. We're not going to extort anyone. You're not a thing from a bad thing. Well, I am, just not <laughs> that one. Um, and... Part of their shtick, there's a, there's a couple of interviews on this, but part of the shtick with it was that they said they wanted to do a gay character who was just gay as opposed to the story being about them coming out or all that jazz. 
And I think also they maybe wanted to ride the coattails of a bit more visibility and of sort of queer visibility being a bit cooler now. I I'm not sure. I read a review the other day which um, ended with an update the next day that went, oh yeah, by the way, the main character's gay and Indian, and I didn't really notice because it sort of was just part of the story. Wasn't that review just astonishingly plodding and joyless? Yeah. But I like the realisation. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was that's very the much, point. It was very much a, and then this happened. It's not capital I issues at this yeah, point. It's no. just a thing. It's yeah. a fact, as it is for most people for whom stuff that society construes as capital I issues, it's actually just kind of your life. Yeah. yeah. And, incre and increasingly so. Mm. Um, and so there's a little reference to it in the first issue, but it's more kind of someone bitching him out for kind of... A, being a sulky little dick, essentially, and referencing that, yeah, yeah, we're sure you had a shitty childhood, but could you maybe not be an asshole? Um, yeah, it's... it's maybe we, we can potentially get into this in more detail later. It's big and it's daft and it's colourful. It's funny. It's maybe a little overposed, but... Possibly. I mean, there's, there's some obvious bits for cult status with the motivational orb. Um, yeah, which... So there's this cool There's going to be a lot of motivational orb cosplay next year. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's some cool stuff about um, things cribbed from um, like the inc the mad incidental superheroes in Sea Guy, which was kind of talked about in the um, in the interview. But yeah, it, it's 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 quite fan friendly. It's got some fairly sort of smug postmodern dialogue bits. Keith is quite is like a fan of sci-fi movies and keeps comparing his situation to them. That might rub some people up the wrong way, but Zadarsky does it with an awful lot of charm. It's 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 fun and it's fluid and it's funny and it's coloured like an idiot version of uh, like deliberately not it's bad, um, pretty deadly. Um, There's a lot of purples and lilacs. Yeah. And... Fan friendly seems like such a weird thing to have to call something out as being. Yeah. It's like you think about like. What do I even mean by that? No, I think you mean. Like I know what you mean. Fandom yeah. as a thing. But it's in retrospect, why would you be... Space in your and brain it's also there? doing things that you know people are going to like instead of doing whatever mm. the fuck you want because you're the creator and that's going to be a really great work of comics art. It could be both. But I guess why the yeah. fuck would you ever do fan unfriendly when you yeah. think about it and you've yeah. got a choice? I mean, maybe I mean tumblerable. I don't know. But... No, it's I think I, think I did mean fan friendly. I think... Does it tumble well? <laughs> it is certainly not a tumbleweed. Um, I think... I think what I mean by that, I think, is that there's a sort of slightly teeny but still in-on-the-in-jokes appreciation. The sort of stuff that clings to bits of Wictiv but definitely Young Avengers, to bits of the X-Men but not all of it. Um, it it's, uh, yeah, it's the people who are currently using Tumblr excuse yeah. the thing young Christmas, adult. Uh, Ms. Marvel. Yes. Yeah. That, that kind of, there's, there's this whole clutch of quite accessible, quite colourful comics at the moment that feels like together you can just about mash them into a continuum of fan tastes and this feels like it's serving that quite nicely. Ms. Marvel in particular sort of speaks the same language as well. Mm -hmm. um, the character approaches becoming a superhero as, you know, as a fan and appropriates things from other superheroes, tries to emulate actions and um, sort of comes to it from a, from someone trying to break in, essentially. Oh, I see. Oh, okay, I've not read them. No, I, did you read Captain? No. Um, 
You, you did? Yes. Okay. Any other thoughts? No. We've covered it quite well. Um, yeah, I, I agree that bits of it seem quite posed. I'm kind of willing to accept that in early issues because there's a lot to do. Um, did you see the, the cover of issue two looks deliciously mad fucking mad it's like yeah. one of cat those tanks. weird cats the way the oatmeal draws them but it's a tank but, um, I'm, but I mean that's just, just yeah. that's Thundercats right there, yeah. there was shit like that in Thundercats the paws would lift up and tanks would shoot out of their fucking big cat shaped for some uh, reason well, that's just improbable architecture which is weird because that's basically one of them lying with their ass in the air. That's the building they've chosen to live in mm. and shoot tanks out of. The um, Presumably everyone's going to know it's them as well. It's a bit of a giveaway, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can try and scrub that off Google Maps, but still it's a giant cat-shaped fortress with its ass in the air that shoots tanks out. Yeah. People are going to know what's going on there. I love the subtitle of the first issue as well, Space, Why You Gotta Be Like That. It's kind of, it, Jesus, sets, that's it sets the tone nice. quite nicely. It's got that tone. It's it's that sort of slightly feet on the desk, a little bit over ironized. I liked it. The Tarantino with a sense of humor. Tarantino's got a sense of humor. It's just a weird one. A pantomime sense of humor. Yeah, fair enough. Um, what else did I read? I read. Um, sorry, should I continue waffling on? Please. I read Robert Moses by some people. I Robert no... Moses by Pierre Christian Oliver Bayles. Neither yes. him called Robert Moses. I went back and updated your notes, you fucker. I also thank you for giving that to me for my birthday. And updating your very kind notes. gift. Yeah. gift. Um, the gift of updated notes. No, no, I gave it to you at Christmas. You've just read it now by your birthday. Oh, I, th- I thought it was even worse. I thought it was last year's birthday. Wow. <laughs> wow. So you're you're not doing as bad as you think you, thought you, are, you were doing. But, but, but still you bad. think you're a really bad, bad guy. Yeah. It's okay. We do too. No, I, I know. I'm a pretty bad guy. Um, so this is a biography, starts like hagiography and then really, really isn't, of Robert Moses, the fascinating douchebag who built lots of New York. It's a comic book about city planning. And I'm not going to go into too much, too much detail because... It's a comic book about city planning. It's visually arresting. It looks lovely. It, it really looks does. like the sort of a more angular version of the Darwin Cook Parker stuff. Um... It's about cities and cityscapes, but it's oddly personal in places. It's uh, it's got this really weird refrain that it kind of drops just after the halfway mark, which was a pity because that's when I thought it was just starting to. Is that hail? Yeah. yeah. <coughs> it's absolutely it twatting it down outside. Bouncing on the grass. There's also some cunt who just hasn't moved up. Hmm. I'm mad and I'm not even queuing in traffic. Jeez, these assholes. There, there you go, you fuckface. Yeah, yeah, now he gets it. Well, it took a bit of hail. Yeah. Shake him off. Fucker. No one brought snacks, did they? No, I'm sorry, okay. I forgot. That's fine. So, it's... Um, <laughs> Blood sugar can only help. <laughs> it, it introduces Robert Moses with this really weird refrain of, although he never learned to drive something-something road planning, and then it keeps coming back to you almost like a... Not Villanelle, but like, the, like a repeated... You occasionally get this repeated end of verse or refrain thing in... in oh, anyway. Da-da-da-da-da. Um, and although he never learned to drive, unrelated statement is like they've had this idea for a structuring device and then just not really understood how to deploy it. Eventually they get bored and stop. But it's... Um, 
it paints this picture of, of Rob Moses, who's someone I did not know about before as being you know, heavily influential, possibly pathologically so, of being flawed and arrogant and interesting, potentially very talented. It's, it's worth a look, but the job it mostly did was making me want to read the biography it's mostly hung off. Yeah, he, I mean, he was the city, city controller of New York and did a lot of, in the, in the sort of early to mid-20th century, did a lot of what created modern New York. The way it sells him is that he was absolutely disgusted by the very idea of poor people um, in a fairly, within that, equal opportunities way in that he didn't really matter what colour they, didn't really care what colour they were, um, tore down a bunch of slums because he was disgusted by the idea of the poor even existing, and then as a sop to that created some public facilities for them and then built a bunch of roads. Did he create any actual houses for them to live in, aside from public Not facilities? Not really, no. Yeah, you're going to want a house more you're going to want a nice park to go into, unless you have to sleep I mean, in the kind of cramped at public spaces as well. This was something that got him into trouble later on. It was in the 60s, there was a counter-movement to the stuff that he'd been doing. Mm. The second um, half is much more interesting. I don't care about his troubled childhood. I kind of care about the weird power struggles and over-the-planning. and the, I care about the stuff that would basically be the town-planning version of The Wire. Yeah, I think it's very hard to, first of all, make a comic book about city planning in the first place. They do an okay and job. then target one specifically to you. That is, that is a niche within a niche wrapped in an enigma, uh, wrapped you in say bacon. That, but a serious polyp. That's it's about, about architecture. architecture and postmodern fiction. That is and weird sexual anxiety. It's got many fonts. Yeah, I mean, basically that's just David Mazzucchelli flicking your dick with a towel, isn't it? Good though. I would also argue that you don't. You can have a troubled childhood, and it can have either positive, negative, or no effect whatsoever on your career as a city planner. Yes. It seems to be trying to read too much into his kind of. Yeah, but what you, what you completely fail to understand is that a roundabout killed his father. <laughs> and that's why Americans don't have them. Yes. Apart from in a few weird bits. It's it's no brow, isn't it? Yes. So Does it's it beautiful. Look yeah. yeah, it's a chunky heart, but it smells great. It's got really thick print stock. I'm glad it smells good. How much it's, do I pay for that smell? But I think that's, that's an extra. Yeah. Um, it's a lovely book. It's well drawn. It. I, I loved it. It's not going to be for everyone. And because it's a comic book about city planning. Yeah. And it's a slightly weird piece of biography. People interested in the way biography, or even arguably maybe if you squint historiography works, might find it interesting. There's a 99% invisible episode about the guy. It might be worth listening to that and thinking, do I want to read a comic book about this before rushing out? But it's quite a pretty... uh, Basically, it's a very beautifully articulated story about someone who was a bit of a cunt, but not necessarily in an interesting way. I'm at least intrigued. I will happily lend it to you. Um, did I read anything else? I almost certainly did. You did. You read Moon Knight. It's about Moon Knight. It's really good. It's Ellis and Shelby in Belair. It's fucking awesome. We've talked about it before, and I am frotting myself silly about the release, forthcoming release of Injection. I can't wait for Injection. I'm so excited. Tell us of this Injection that you're frotting about. It's the same team. Is it Belair as well? I think it's the yep, entire same it's team. it's the whole lot. So this is a... I'm just not going to talk about Moon Knight. It's great. We all, we've covered it. Yeah. But um, he dresses up as an Egyptian god and punches no, we're punk not talk ghosts. About there are punk ghosts, though. Um, That's not even the best bit. That's, no, it's, it's no. not. So, Injection is... It's got this really Ellis premise, which is something like a few years ago, ten years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, five people poisoned the 21st century. This is their story. It's one of those glib little intro sentences. 
And all that we know about it so far is that it feels like it's going to be um, sort of weird modern folk horror with a with a sort of Warren Ellis-y, grotty private eye bent. So there's a there's a lady, very severe looking, older, with a walking cane, who's come out of retirement or possibly out of a mental hospital. It's not entirely clear from the few panels that have been released. They're broadly the same concept. To go and investigate weird shit in the countryside that has something to do with what may or may not be the beginning of the end of the world. And it's a very Ellis premise, but he's been out of comics for a long time, and he's come back and he's doing great stuff on trees, and he did great stuff on not a long time. He's taken a little sojourn away to do prose and TV stuff. Um, to a full rich career and he's come back and he's done Moon Knight which is smacking it out of the park in a very particular way and Trees which is doing pretty fucking well with caveats in another very particular way and this feels like it's going to be a bit more like say global frequency but it might be a bit archier I but Shalvi, he and Shalvi clearly have a thing going. It's Moon Knight works really well. Jordi Belair, Jordi Belair. It's just gonna, that's it's taken as given. It's going to look great. Um, She's ruining the tag formatting on the site, by the way. Mm-hmm. Google thinks we're basically a website about her at this point. Well, yeah, and this this podcast isn't going to make it any better. But you know, she is doing all the comics. Yes, yes. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not our problem. They need to. Figure I- it out. Image must have the same problem. Yeah. Yeah, their CMS must must be groaning under the weight of Jolie Belair. She's just subsuming the entire internet. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's cool. It's a good time. It'll look really good when she's done. It'll have that kind of dimensional layering thing that's that's really cool. So a thing you actually read, um, as opposed to something you're just diddling yourself over. It's going to be great. Aspirational wanking. It could be... I mean, it could be quite indifferently written and it'll still look great it could be quite indifferently drawn which it won't and it'll they just come on injection's going to be awesome it probably will be I'll certainly pick it up when it comes out but you know it doesn't exist yet so mm. hold your fucking horses and tell us about Desert Peach Desert Peach by Donna Barr is a really fucking stupid idea so stupid that I had to have it um, this is a sort of zini style scratchy comic from the 70s I think is it the 70s? I it's quite don't know. It's, it's old. I don't know. It's a, the metadata and the, the way it's put together on Amazon is absolutely appalling. It's really hard to tell which ones to buy. So yeah, Desert Peach is it's the story of Rommel, the your actual desert fox Owen Rommel, and his fictitious younger brother. Now he had a younger brother who apparently died in childhood or something, and the um, bar kind of had this idea jangling around and, and ended up doing this. Um the Desert Peach, um, Manfred Fish, 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 um, is the um, queer younger brother, and it's just like okay. So you've got this idea of Rommel's gay younger brother leading a feckless, incompetent fuckwit tank regiment in the Africa conflict and getting into comedy scrapes. If you kind of ignore the fact that it's your heroes are still Nazis. If you sort of, if you sort of hide that for a minute, that they're sounds... all Nazis. Let's not forget. <laughs> then that sounds like a good time. Like the sort of, it, it sounds pleasingly zany and a bit weird, and it sounds like it could be fun. They were some less worse Nazis. They mm-hmm. ignored some commands to do bad thing to Jews. They treated mm-hmm. their prisoners humanely. They were never um, convicted of war crimes. 
True. Doesn't mean they didn't do war crimes. No, but, but they may well have been less worse. It's it's just your palatable Nazis. Yeah, your media friendly Nazis. Indiana Jones would have still fucked them up. Melted their little heads. Yeah. He hates those guys. He really he does. does. Almost as much as snakes. So the Nazi comic, The Desert Peach, um, is the story of the Desert Peach getting into scrapes, and the problem is it just doesn't land. It feels very dated. It feels like it's playing into a comedy queer stereotype that's not homophobic exactly, but it's kind of mincy and camp and a little bit Mr. Humphreys. Um, I was going to say, it's like it's, a Saturday variety show. It's not... I wouldn't go full-out problematic, but I, imagine you've got a well-meaning, fairly switched-on, very lefty friend who's kind of a little bit older and sometimes a bit absent and might occasionally do a mm, sort-of-but-not-that-bad gay joke. Are you are you talking about me? Older, absent. Yeah, I think I think I think it's daddy I, issues. I think as you'd well. be a slightly better writer. Thank you. Um, it's worth a look. It's dirt cheap, but and it's kind of in this scratchy zini style that I think kind of works. It sounds like so. To me, a story about. Rommel's gay younger brother leading a shit tank regiment in the Africa Corps. That should be the best thing ever written. Yeah, it should be like that. That should be a work of transcendent beauty. That if Zdarsky we look did to, it. to inform all oh, of mankind. Gosh. Don't suggest things. Imagine it with one of the modern, really weird creative teams. That would be amazing. True. So as it sounds, just weird enough to pique your interest. Yeah, and. And a bit flawed. It just the humour doesn't quite land. It's got. It feels very self-published as well. It's got some weird ticks. Like it keeps um, putting the German stuff in weird speech bubbles and translating it at the bottom in a slightly not patronising but just over earnest tone, mm. which breaks the mask slips there because it. Yeah, don't do that. Either put it in the language and expect people to look it up, or put it in. This is obviously meant to be said in a different language, but writing it in English because this is a fucking English comedy yeah. for your benefit. Quote type marks. And that feels like an authorial intrusion, and it sort of undermines bits of drama or comedy, or it just kind of. I don't know, it's got this very first work or self pub um, aura to it. You've Which already. Which it is, isn't it? Yes, but still. Got a layer of the writer trying to tell you something, if they want to add another layer in translating their own stuff themselves, mm. that's kind of... I'm, I'm not cool with that. Um, I don't know, I, it's just... Yeah, bit, bits of the author, authorial hand are intrusive. Um, bits of it aren't especially good. It is It is fun. It, it, is, it is big, dumb fun, but... I don't know, it feels like it needed a second go-around. It's such a great premise. 40-year-old comics. Disappointing. You heard it here first. Oh, yeah, and you can, but you can buy the whole lot for under a fiver, right? It's, it's a cheap mistake to make. If you can work out what order they go in or which you should buy. Lucy, what have you read? Um, I read something called Rock and Riot, which is a newish webcomic by someone called Chelsea Ferretti. I checked it out quickly. The artwork looked very good. Yeah. yeah it looked fun. She's, um, I think, training to be an illustrator or animator or something. And, um, yeah, it's set in a 1950s high school sort of Greece style, except everybody's some sort of queer. So the main character we've seen so far is a sort of 
female stereotypical greaser who smokes and drives fast cars and likes other women who has been sort of seen the new girl who's a kind of chubby Sandra D type and fallen madly in love with her and tries to impress her by driving fast cars and smoking and actually she's just not impressed by that and it's kind of how they negotiate that thing. There's not a lot of it up, it's only sort of a chapter and a half so far, but it was it was fun. I liked it. The colours were nice, the drawing was nice, it was sweet and a bit different. I like that aesthetic as well. Mostly just quiffs, to be honest. Yeah, a lot of quiffs. Mm, quiffs are pretty good. And it's, it's a bit kind of... If I'm remembering correctly, I only had a very quick look. It's sort of a couple of notches up from pastel. It's sort of slightly, yeah, slightly punched yeah. up pastel. Slightly which, saturated. Um, yeah. Quite simple but well-selected colours and mm. the visual. I, if again, if I'm if I'm not misremembering, the visual style made me think sarcastic Disney. Yes, it's got the same kind of smooth edges and cheekbones, but it's clearly not taking itself anywhere near as seriously as Disney yeah, does. The it reminded me of Steven Universe, actually. It's got a kind of cartoon hangover. It's an actual kid show, it's not a comic. Uh, yeah. Okay, so it made me think of someone taking the piss out of Disney princesses. Mm. Yeah, the internet needs to stop doing that. Like, what if Disney princesses were... Leave Disney this? princesses alone. It's not even that. They've been it's just long, really, right? really tired. <laughs> really tired. Most, um, most of those most of those ladies have been through some horrifying structural oppression and or actively abusive relationships they don't need to be turned into Nicolas Cage I went to see a big Art Nouveau exhibition a couple of weeks ago and I nearly like froze at the door because there's been so many Art Nouveau Disney princesses been done it's, it's horrifying the world does not need more Art Nouveau blank and this this coming from me yeah I mean it had some lovely biscuit tins and, and, and prints and things about the Czech war it's lovely what, uh, what drew you to this? Uh, somebody mentioned it on the internet and I thought it sounded like a thing that I could put in front of my eyes and then I did and I quite enjoyed it. That's a beautiful story. Yeah, it's pretty much how I discover everything that you guys haven't heard of. <laughs> and the yeah. rest of the stuff I read is just stuff you throw at me so basically I'm, you know, somewhere between someone who maybe has two friends max and someone who can use a search engine. Neither of these are like... This, this is this is kind of like I was... comics tofu. Is you just absorb whatever's around you. Yeah, it's not a great place to be. You should probably, I don't know, do away with me. <laughs> Let's not. Just put me in a bag and stick some chloroform in, put a crate on top, and wait till <laughs> I stop thumping. Let's <laughs> went to a dark place. So you also read Young Avengers. I also read Young Avengers. Is there a halfway house where we lock you in a broom closet and get you fucked up on ether? I mean, I'd be down with that. Nitrous, even, would be yeah. fine. Let's get some whipped cream and balloons. What? Oh, yeah. That's how you do it. Except oh, God, right. So I was... You know this this fucking record? I've, got, I've got a whippet story as well, so let's just queue them up. <laughs> the, the, um, the record store day thing. Yeah. Right, so I hadn't realised that was happening, and we were in Soho, and we wandered along. We were trying to get onto Oxford Street, so we made the mistake of going up Burwick Street. Which, like a couple of streets, a couple of like side streets along, got packed and packed and packed with young people, youths, and gradually it it just got more and more full and more and more unpleasant. And eventually, we had to elbow through this huge crowd and ask. You can hit them though; they're bendy. Mm. Asked a security guard what was going on, and he explained it was the record day thing, and they're having a music thing. And as we were exiting, and the floor was just littered; the entire floor was just littered with these little gas cylinders that I recognise as being fixing fittings. I thought were like. They've been huffing nitrous. Yeah, so, yeah, but would you, my horrifying mental process here was, 
I don't see anyone with a soda siphon. Jesus Christ. And then I was halfway along Oxford Street and it suddenly unspooled in my head and clicked. Oh, narcotics. There was a load of nitrous cylinders just by the cash point at the Tesco's around the corner from my house the other day. So That's sad. That's I think, really sad. I think just someone's just huffing them and just like getting 10 quid out and then huffing some more. I'm like, yeah, fucking love this. I'm going to get another 10 around. Brilliant. Not spending it on nitrous, just huffing it and withdrawing cash. I've never done nitrous. N- nor have I. I. I assume it's all right, but not very interesting. I've got no fucking idea. Yeah, I intend to at some point in the future. Mm. It just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, kids on Bowick Street. Yeah, that's one of the ones that I apparently can interface with my brain, so... Hmm. No, I I just used to... I used to work opposite a large branch of Iceland and occasionally I'd go in to get a drink or some food and there would be someone who was just buying ice cubes and whipped cream and they were in for a fun time because they were just going to be snorting propellant all afternoon as soon as they'd frozen off the cream. Is that is that what you do? You, 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 yeah. Yes, yeah. Is that really the cheapest way to do that? Yeah. Uh, well, you, you, can be, you can be very careful if you want. But How do you like freeze a friend, it off? A friend, a friend of mine went and bought a load of whipped cream at about four in the morning in the States and uh, cashier bagged them really, really carefully, just sort of lifted them up and went, we don't want to shake these, do we? Everyone knows you're huffing whipped cream. It's a shame because I also really like eating whipped cream. Yeah, I, like, I don't want it to, I don't want it to be other. an either or. I don't you could you could double fist. You could like one you could huff and the other one you can just I don't know spray onto half a donut. That's a noise that I made. You see, I'm not that wild about the I cream, but if they um, if they fix it up with with like you know that horrifying tube cheese. Primula. Yeah, imagine if they work one of those up, maybe with some garlic in it. Primula. You realise the point is not to, to you don't... Squirt you food freeze, inside you. You freeze the actual cream component and just huff the propellant. I don't want to do that. How about a chive cream squirted inside some sort of cheesy profiterole? That like savoury profiterole. You just admitted that you would nasally administer <laughs> cheese whiz, and you think that's somehow better than huffing propellant. Yes. You're not right. <laughs> and yet society doesn't think you're the monster. No, society always no, thinks, well, society thinks you're a different I've monster. I've put up some posters. <laughs> what did you make of Young Avengers? It was fine. This episode is brought to you by the letter Brain Problem. <laughs> it was... There was a whole bunch of shit that I just didn't understand and didn't give a fuck about understanding mm. and it didn't make me give a fuck about understanding, both in terms of mythology and in terms of previous Marvel Universe stuff. The onboarding process was not smooth and because it was Kieran Gillen's sort of wry, winky, look-how-clever-we-are style that was actively off-putting rather than hmm. welcoming. Some of the continuity stuff is a little bit hard to jump onto. Some, 
Like, who, I don't who. Okay, so there's a bunch of parents that people are like punching into goop. Fine, whatever. Don't know who any of them are. Don't know They're why I should care. They're not existing characters. They are just okay. the parents of those characters. So right. That's all you need to know. Some of them look like they're meant to be yeah. existing characters. So like, um, some of it's um, continuity. Some of it's in media. Miss America's parents. Yeah, look. That, she's a brand new character. She right. doesn't exist. She's before. great. Everyone's face is a Jamie McKelvey face. I shouldn't be surprised yeah. by this, but he just has that like range of faces that he does. Like her face is a slight hardening of Wictiv Laura's face. They're kind of the same. No, probably related though, yeah. Person. Yeah. But she was great. I wanted to kind of bone her, um, so that was fine. Yeah, um, she's fine. The, I mean, we were reading it for quote-unquote gay stuff. Kind of. There was some. It's So the reason I kind of pushed that in the general direction is that it's been one of the most... The kind of the queer visibility stuff. So it was it was huge for a couple of years, and yeah, so two thousand six, two thousand seven, it was one of the first sort of mainstream gay comics in the Marvel universe. Is it that old? Huh? The is original run, run, yeah. Um, no, because right. so, this run finished two years ago. Right. No, the original run. Right. So in the in the original run, um, was that the first time it had ever been? Yes. Okay. So the, there's a, there's a run before this, which leads into all of the children's crusade and whatever stuff. Yeah. Um, which is the continuity that you don't know about that's kind of confusing and the stuff with Loki and why he's that way and the backstory stuff that is semi-important. Um, I mean, they covered some of that. Yeah. So, in all of that, you get Bobby and Teddy getting together and you get the gayness as a reveal storyline thing. And then in this, they're just kind of doing it. They're just kind of getting on with being McKelvey-drawn, adorable gay teens. Um... Which is why I sort of singled it out, because that's one of the things that it came in for some attention for over the last couple of years, as being very popular in the mainstream. It's, I mean, it's still not a mainstream X-Men book, a mainstream Avengers book, but it, it was pretty... The sales were amazing, right? It, it did pretty fucking well, and... Turns out if you target non-traditional superhero readers, sales go up. They found the same thing with women, if yeah, you remember. That's what I mean. Yeah. But then at the end of it and like people who aren't me plus ten years, if you target anyone else, you, you get money from them. They have money, they will spend it on things that they like. Things that they like that speak to them. Yeah. It's an amazing process. Or even just things that don't aggressively exclude them. Mm. Taken the industry nearly eighty years to figure it out, but there we go. Well, actually go. no, they just fucking forgot. I go on a limb here and assume that you don't particularly care about spoilers and don't particularly care about finishing it. I don't particularly care about a whole lot of things and those two things are included. Right. So, one of the things about it that... It felt like it was looking for a fandom punches the air moment, but actually it just kind of slightly irked me, is the very last issue. So you've got that, which is like a one and a half size trade, and then you've got two normal size trades afterwards okay. that wind it up. And... In the very last, the very last issue, well, this is a double issue, but it's it beautiful. They rotate through artists. It's a lot of fun. The last few frames is basically everyone on the team. Yeah, pretty much everyone on the team turning out to be at least somewhat not straight in a slightly winked camera way, mm. so that there's suddenly a majority queer superhero team, and <sighs> that was the first time it felt smug and tokenistic to me, and it, it makes sense for pretty much all of the characters individually but when you wrap it up together in such a look to camera way it just mm, hey we're so gay kind of and again it does work for all of them individually except maybe the thing that Ms. America says to Lady Hawkeye but yes it felt a little that was the weak link 
Yeah, felt a little forced, but it was just one thing amongst. Yeah, but Kate's character is good in it, so you kind of, you know. Yeah. I, I I fucking love this book. I really do, and I don't like having a go at it, but I really I really enjoyed the way it moves from kind of Teddy Bobby's story just just being there and being part of the thing. Um. But a relationship breakdown there also, um, which is part of the storyline is a thing that can happen and it's it's one of those sort of things in comics that if you have you know you don't you don't marry the characters because somehow that's the end of the relationship drama as opposed to which is yeah the final step on the escalator yeah and then everyone's happy happily ever after absolute nonsense so to do it from committed relationships and have them have problems holy fuck there's drama there who knew and with a there are, few, there are two ways of saying what I'm about to say, and one of them is the Reddit asshole way, and the other one is kind of agreeing with what you just said. Um, I'm going for the latter. Um, I wonder if they do... So the part of, of, of their story, Wiccan and Hoveling's story in this, that so aggressively foregrounds the relationship and makes it part of the resolution of the drama, and the thing where they kind of kiss at the end and the gorgeous page design. Would they have done... Would they have made the relationship tiff and the separation and the anxiety quite so pivotal if it had been a straight teen relationship? Well, actually, probably, well, this, this creative team would have denied that. Would comics in general? Yes, maybe. Actually, maybe it would. Is it more foregrounded because it's more remarkable? Uh, I'm going to go with probably not, but you could make the argument. What makes it interesting is, as you say, that this is not a will-they-won't-they-get-together story. This is within the confines of an existing relationship, and this is getting together isn't game over, it is still interesting. It's also... Did any of that make so sense? So when, when, when you have the sort of relationship like that, where one of them sort of all-powerful, it's... Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer trod similar ground. Um, this is way less rapey. It's a weird power dynamic for teens, though, that's not... One of them can fundamentally alter the structure of reality. Yeah. He's not very good at it, but yeah. 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 I mean, I guess teen relationships do have power dynamic issues that aren't often addressed in the mainstream. Presumably because we assume they don't because we just shrug them off as teens. Yeah, they've got teen problems and also because, um, well, structural masculinity is kind of an issue. God, that nonsense. Yeah. Fucking hate. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do my hegemonic masculinity rant again. Hey, I read Low by uh, Rick Remender and Greg Tuccini. How was it? I really enjoyed it. I've been meaning to pick it up. It's, um, so basic premise is that tiny remnant of humanity lives under the ocean uh, in sealed cities, not just floating around. Um, because the Earth has been irradiated by the sudden expansion of the sun. Um, they've fired off a ton of probes to find inhabitable worlds, and they've retreated onto the ocean. And when we sort of meet it, people have been down there for a while. They seem to have got their own customs, and they've sort of grown up in three major cities. Mm -hmm. Um, And it follows a family who are in sort of the main surviving city, which is very much the last days of Rome. People are just drunk on drugs and fucking constantly and waiting to die because the air's going to run out. Wow. um, and this one, fa- this so the story follows this one family, one of whom, one of whom is a uh, quantumologist, uh, which is a uh, thing now, an excessively upbeat cult, as far as you can tell. They're they're the people who essentially 
believe that you know observing the outcome affects the results and that if you uh, uh, if, if you have a positive outcome you're more likely to have a positive view you're going to uh, you, you you are going to skew things in your favor by focusing on on positive outcomes um, and so the whole thing is set up a very slightly heavy-handed clash between absolute nihilism of people waiting to die and this one family who are led by sort of this matriarch who believes that she can by force of will and uh and positive thinking drag them through this sort of horrible hellscape sounds like mad science Chekhov. uh it's um I, I i wouldn't go that far it really is on the nose right people yell about so the their cherry orchard. competing philosophies quite a lot um and it's sort of first thing the art the artwork is genuinely great. It feels like underwater. Um, yeah, everything is very strange and it's a bit scratchy for underwater, but otherwise it's lovely. Yeah, so there's there's probably a little bit more they can do, but the general otherworldliness of it really works. And beyond that, it sort of feels like a, a Edgar Rice Burroughs novel. It, it feels sort of like it's lifting from the Barsoom books. Um, in that you sort of have people in these gladiatorial combat and, and sort of strange different societies and different cities that have evolved separately from one another. Um, so you have sort of the good city, which is corrupt and falling apart. Um, you have the pirate city, which is honestly not much better because it's run by pirates. And there's another one. Cool pirates, comedy pirates. Murder pirates. Murder pirates. The, the sort of pirates who board ships and murder people and take stuff. Those sort of pirates. Yeah. Actual, actual pirates. Actual, actual pirates. pirates. Yeah. Well, I didn't want the kind of misunderstanding like those WI ladies had. No. <laughs> you, you want to avoid that sort of thing. You want to avoid that sort you of thing. You want to get your pirate taxonomy clear. Yeah. Yeah, no. They're, they're more like actual pirates who killed people and took stuff. Don't know if they were formally commissioned by the British and Dutch governments to do that on their behalf, and then were cut loose. I don't. I don't know the underlying economics of it. Mm. I think they were mostly left under the sea to die. And so um, it wasn't that that Disney poster that was like a good pirate doesn't steal, a good pirate doesn't like <laughs> skip in that. the queue. All that shit. That's no, amazing. it wasn't like that. They really do kill a lot of people yeah. and sell people into slavery and. Uh, run a gigantic gladiatorial pit full of weird mollusks. 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 I, I do like weird mollusks. That they are the wrong sort of uh, of, of pirate. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a scene with one of those things, that, like one of those isopods that replaces fish's tongues. Oh, 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 yeah. kind of thorn. One of those guys. Um, oh, no, that's, that, I so, wish you hadn't said that, those grossed me out. Sorry. I was um, thinking you meant like funky nudibracts. I don't know what any of you are talking about. I think they're a jazz band that he likes. <laughs> <laughs> Nudibracts are the um, the weird foopy like sea mollusks in the beautiful colours. Foopy. 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 Are you waiting for me to stop you? Yes. <laughs> Frankly, in all things. Might have some more wine. You can't. No, you there can't. Isn't you any. drank it all. No. I kept pouring it into your glass, and you kept pouring it down your throat. Now here we are. We'll soon be tinkling it. Talking out of your about whoopee. <laughs> talking about nudibranchs. 
I'm sorry he gave you fish problems. <laughs> this is my summary of the issue. Yeah. So I liked it, and it's it's definitely worth a look. It's obviously got Bioshocky elements because um, it's a city under the sea, but not as many as you might think. It's got Bioshock two elements. Well, really. it's it's visually very different. So. Yes, but there are these sort of giant suits that look very much like the big sister suits out of Bioshock Two. I should play Bioshock, but I was too scared of it last time, and I don't have any reason why I'd be less scared of it this time. You could turn the colours up really high. Would that help? Probably not. Bioshock Infinite People might in scare you less. creepy masks jumping out at me. Bioshock Infinite. Shit, stop! I, I'm intrigued I by Bioshock Infinite. So it's nowhere near as good as Bioshock. It's the no worst. Because Bioshock Two. It's wor- It's the worst of the three on a lot of levels, but I still think it has a lot to recommend. It. And the last half hour is on the nose, but genuinely great. And there are some wonderful touches, like the Latessas. It's very so. You got you got the massive plaudits of Bioshock, and then you got the backlash, and then you got the backlash against the backlash, and then you got the recent criticism. And as far as I can tell, the recent criticism basically came out with, "It's fun. It's got some problems." Oh god, the racial dynamics are all over the place. Um, it's not as smart as it thinks it is, but it's still well worth a look. No, it uses parallel universes to say everyone's as bad as each other. Fucking hell. This has been the Bioshock podcast. Yes. Um, I like Low. I think it has great artwork. I think the writing's a little bit unsubtle. Um, but... All told, it's like a mental version of Fantastic Four Under the Sea, but with giant robots and, and probably some pirates. Are there any singing crustaceans? Under the sea? Under the sea. No. Fine. Uh, I also well, sorry, Dave. I like how you interrupted me to that task. I, I read um, God Hates Astronauts by Ryan Brown. Uh, this book was part of the image bundle, and I. Just, uh, oh, is this it. is this a really fucking mental? One? It's insane. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's one of those things where there's absolutely no story logic other than something has to happen next. Uh, it's about a team of crap superheroes employed by NASA to uh, fight rogue farming in space. That's never really touched on. What? Um, the no, really the one. The lead. The lead is. Uh, uh, an immortal superhero who, in the the opening act, has his head beaten to a pulp from which he will never recover, walks around with a giant floppy head for a while, then has it burst. So he replaces it with the head of a murdered voodoo cow ghost. And it all gets a little bit odd from there. Um, they have it gets a, odd from there? Yeah, it's kind of structured around a divorce battle and... Um, there are some bears, and sometimes they're boxing bears, but sometimes they're necromancers, and occasionally they're superheroes. And uh, it's it's. Um, was this written by a tiny child? It was written by by a man, a man called Ryan Brown, and it's um, it's one of the it's, so derangement really is the only purpose of it. Uh, it's it's kind of like the Venture Brothers with nothing holding them back. But the Venture Brothers is basically about human fragility and the fundamental inadequacy of all people in all emotional scenarios. Yeah. It's actually got something to say about the state of the world and the state of our emotional lives. Yeah, imagine you just took the bit where they took the piss out of various pop culture artifacts and uh, that was the only thing propelling it. Okay. Uh, 
I don't think I'm going to say any more about it because I suspect if you if you're going to enjoy it, you're going to know already from that summation. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun, but it is fucking odd because voodoo cow, ghost skull, yeah, necromancer bears. So you're just saying words now, and I kind of like it. Gorilla arms, gorilla arms cop. He's a good one. He shoots the moustache off a giant zombie spacesuit. Hey, who wants to talk about gayness? Do you know what? I'm just... I'm 32 years old. I'm tired of it. Was there... Are you switching sides? No, no. Just like... the. Was this not always the case? Were you more... Was there a time when it was new and perhaps contained and you wanted to talk about it a lot well I used to be one of those insufferable little brats that would that thought their sexuality made them interesting bear in mind I grew up like in the northeast and didn't really know any other gay people for a while um and then I did a bunch of LBGT stuff at uni like outreachy welfare stuff and I'm just tired like, to be fair it's actually kind of cool that it's no longer interesting because it means that you can have conversations about it as just like your life as opposed to yeah, something media yeah. fetishized. Not suddenly this thing that's kind of fundamental about you isn't like a great big identity hmm. talking point that is your main talking point. That's yeah. it's I, like it, it's fine for the people for whom it is, and there are plenty of people that enjoy hanging all sorts of weird identity stuff off all sorts of other weird identity stuff, and I don't know where I'm going with that. Yes, comics mainstream, yay, woo. Um, how would you say they're doing on a scale from badly to well? A lot better than they were. So we talked about Young Avengers, which has these guys just kind of getting on with it. Um, we talked about Katara. There's the Batgirl stuff that's been through all sorts of loops, and I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, and then there's the, the recent X-Men thing, which I, I read just before the podcast, which is what hit kind of all of the media attention recently where you've got so the shtick with this I don't know how much you know about X-Men but I'll give you the, Nothing. the bullshit not useful Cliff Notes version is that you've got the original X-Men team and X-Men has a created continuity and gone on and on and on over the years and I've X-Men, seen X-Men First Class that's my only interaction with it X-Men has mad previous on horrifying recursive continuities and time travel stories and the latest one is that the original X-Men team have been pulled forward into the present day, so you've got these kind of plucky, teen original X-Men, but their present-day jaded versions are still sloshing around. Mm-hmm. And the most recent version um, has Bobby the Iceman being effectively called out for making Larry sexist remarks by um, teen Jean, who's psychic. And she takes... That's not her name, she's called Jean Grey. It's a fucking David Bowie song at yes. this point. Yeah. She takes him to one side in what looks side. like it's going to be kind of, hey, maybe stop being a sexist douchebag. And she comes out with, no, I, like, stop overcompensating. I know you're gay. I'm a fucking psychic. And what looks like a horrifying problematic outing scenario, and it is a horrifying problematic outing scenario, but, um, and, like, crazy-ass transgressive because psychic. The way it's done is nice, the sort of the panel structures. It, it's, it's a nice bit of comics. Mm. And then we get a couple of pages of him hand-wringing and being angsty because the future version of him isn't gay or is living as though he were not. Yeah. Um, and then we cycle f- through a few jokes about the fact that 
all of the people Iceman has, has dated have, you know, left the planet or transcended reality or abandoned him in some way. And there, there are kind of jokes. Um, and some weird, what might be bi-erasure stuff. And it's all a bit, a bit smug and weird. And th there's been a lot of commentary about it. And it's, it's not wholly unproblematic, but... That's kind of, this is kind of the latest thing in mainstream comics, big ticket mainstream. This this is a big main X Men title, mm -hmm. mainstream um, comics, doing high visibility gay in a variety of, of ways, and I don't know where I'm going with this because so it's it's this, all... is, this is not the worst, but it's not the best, and it feels. I'm just going to nail my colours to the mast on this one. I think this one feels like a semi-tokenistic cash-in on the sort of Young Avengers style, as we talked about earlier, fan-friendly... Teen gay yeah, lifestyle this, Tumblr. This to me feels like Marvel saying, hey, highly inclusive, accessible diversity stuff is good for sales, let's put it in X-Men in a way that's safe because we've got these alternate reality past characters so we can retcon it and they're adorable teens. So the odd, the odd thing about this one was it didn't actually feel like a marketing tactic. They weren't doing anything around the book beyond the normal, here's a two-page preview. But it was always going to get out. They didn't need to. It was, but normally they did Not much... Not as bad as the Batgirl stuff. Normally they do much bigger things. So they had, like, North Star sort of the, the first gay superhero character. Um, Certainly the first big ticket one. They're bound to win others. Yeah, but sort of within... Sort Does of, he predate Apollo and the Midnight Show? Oh, yeah. Yeah, by about 15 years. Okay. Um, really? That long? Yeah. Early 80s. So he was, he was out in the 80s? Yeah. Okay, I totally missed that. I'm an idiot. It might have been slightly later, but I'm pretty sure it's the 80s. Um, An interesting time to do that, yeah, nonetheless. Yeah. yeah okay. Marvel have always been fairly progressive, but, I mean, at the same time, it's, it's a marketing technique. Much more so now because you have a constant news cycle, which you didn't have when you were trying to sell comics in the 80s. You just had the direct market. Um, but so with things like they did the wedding, the wedding of North Star, and that was a big thing. And Marvel did a lot of publicity in the mainstream press and courted bigots to amplify the signal and that sort of thing. And, and it was used in a fairly cynical way, which I don't really like. Um, because it's not really serving the story. The story is there to amplify the marketing for, uh, for for the comic line in general. So the Ultimate X Men stuff, which they were still North Star, but Colossus. It was North Star and Colossus. Yeah, felt much more on the line and honest, and it felt more like the Young Avengers representation, the Gillan McKelvey Young Avengers. Yeah, it just happened. Than than this did. It felt far less on the nose, far less attention called to it. They were yeah. kind of sweet together as well. I don't know, uh, yeah, uh, it was sort of pre-current comics internet, but I certainly don't remember anyone in Wizard going fucking apeshit about it. No, so that, that was, they, they made a little bit of fuss about it, they did the coming out story, but it was fairly, it was fairly measured, it was fairly calm. Um, Who do you think in marketing owned the uh, action around courting bigots? Interesting. So, who had that post-it? I assume they weren't doing it. They probably weren't doing Agile, but... Almost certainly right. not. It will be on someone's to-do list. will be, hey, people are going to hate this. Can we get more press out of them hating it more? It's good because... Who slept at night off the back of that? I, I, I don't know. So this didn't feel like that. This felt like it was part of the story, but it was odd. 
And it's been brilliant watching the right wing right wing reaction. So this as in the current the current X-Men one in um, all new X Men forty. So I thought it felt really forced. I really did. It was well done in a very Wedney way, but you get that with Bendis. It, I just it it bothered me in ways I didn't think it would bother me. It didn't bother me in ways I thought it would bother me. So so the, yeah, the fun thing about watching people try to um, complain about this one is sort of seeing the usual um, the usual voices, which is normally the slightly more presentable son of a batshit televangelist from the 80s, uh, going online to say, Marvel are trying to wipe out the history of their characters and make them gay to indoctrinate your teens. Gay-washing. Let, let me tell you how. In the recent X-Men... The original X-Men from the past who time-traveled to the future and met the current X-Men and were disaffected by that. Watching non-comics people try to get apeshit while understanding what they're talking about, fucking brilliant. It's, it's, well, it's almost... You can have this experience for free by reading the Wikipedia summary of any X-Men or any mainstream comic comedy. X-Men's particularly bad for a plot, right? There's nothing like a po-faced badly written Wikipedia plot summary to make you realise how fucking stupid mainstream comics are. And I love them. This, this is has kind of always go. been my reaction when I've tried to go back and look at the sort of plot history of any of the major um, it's a properties that I'm not familiar you're with. Reading it. It's bollocks. Which I guess when you have my sort of mad completionist need to understand from the start, that means I'm just never going to yeah. go there. I'm not going to pick it up because why? Re- I can never know. Yeah, yeah. And this it is, doesn't this make is, sense. And it's not consistent. And it's I not didn't get. And this is part of the reason I didn't get on with Young Avengers. The stuff that the stuff that I didn't know felt in the category of stuff I can never know because I'm just never going to put that effort in. And it's. And the best thing at the Wikipedia summary is you get. And then so and so was revealed to be so and so's dad, who was reincarnated by the thing, which happened with the thing. It's like. No it's like the stream of consciousness of a five-year-old. You motherfuckers better not be down on Kang the Conqueror. Because Kang the Conqueror is brilliant. I don't even know what it is. Fair enough. (laughs) That's as down on it as we can manage. You're you're being pretty down on it by default. So I I tried to... So I've been watching the Marvel Daredevil show. Hmm. And the thing at the end of the stick episode with what looks like it's probably Masterizer. No, it's Stone. So I went to okay, fine. So I, Sorry. I, don't, I don't know my I don't know my Daredevil. So I went to read on read on the backstory without trying to like I went I went to read on the comics lore backstory, and I had one of these moments of for fuck's sake, none of this makes any sense. And I, I I love comics for this. It's great when you're in the moment. If if you kind of jump onto a serial and kind of ride it for a bit, you you get caught up in the nonsense of it. But then you come back even a, even a few weeks later and with any kind of sense of proportion and. I mean, was that what trapped you into reading singles for so many years and pulled you back in again? Yeah. This is what I loved about Ultimate X-Men, quite apart from the fact that once I realised it was going, like, kind of gay, I did the... I'll come back to this representation point, but seeing yourself reflected in the medium that you already like is powerful and inclusive, and one of the reasons I stuck with Ultimate X-Men... I find that a lot. Yeah, you you get a lot of benefit out of that. Yeah. Yeah. They're beginning to break the surface on that for me in video games by like having options that are women these days mm-hmm. racy yeah I know I mean it's 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 a long way away from seeing myself in the game but it's I think it's telling that so I've often thought that an industry that an industry a workplace an organisation an entity 
that um, has more gay men doing a thing than women of any orientation. That's a pretty fucking good heuristic for being a bit broken. That's not good diversity, even if it is diversity compared to all the dudes being straight and white. Yeah. I had an interesting uh, experience with something like this at the weekend, whereas um, in a moment of weakness, I installed the video game Marvel Heroes, which is basically yeah, Marvel's Diablo clone. Uh, and I very briefly needed to go on to the forums. Yeah. The first thing I found was a forum with people talking about their starting characters, and um, someone was recommending a bunch of characters to what was obviously a kid from the writing patterns. Um, and he had a response of, thank you everybody for your recommendations. Uh, I can't play as Black Widow because my mum and my brother say I shouldn't play as female characters. And while I believe in everyone's responsibility to raise their children how they want, I kind of want to call child services. I don't, so... Um... I'm just going to go with saying that's bad. That's that's bad, and we shouldn't be allowed to do that. No, no, that that kid's been raised by assholes. But the forum for Marvel video game, where I was really just trying to find out an issue about my graphics card, was not the place to uh, to intervene. No. So, getting getting back to. So you you have a couple of things. So representation is huge and important. Better, and it's got weird recently. Is I think where I'm going with that. Okay. So weird how the Captara thing of um, let's do a gay character who's just a gay character. It's not about him being gay. It's not about the reveal. He's just carrying on with his life and happens to be happens to be gay. Super cool. Um, positive representation, yay. Um, you know, I watch a lot of queer cinema, I seek out media that I feel reflects some permutation of my identity because it's nice not to... In my little liberal left-wing filter bubble, in the kind of world I've built in Cambridge, and to be honest, in Cambridge at large, and in quite a lot of the southeast. There's not that much ambient homophobia. There's, it's, it's not like I've got this epic fucking struggle. Have you tried Kent? But it's still nice to occasionally go to exclusively queer venues. Not because it's underground, not because that's the only place I can get laid, not for any of the reasons that were sort of true for a very long time. Um, but not even not even the hard not even the sort of hard version of the safe space argument. Maybe maybe I am making a safe space. I, I think I am making a safe space argument, which is. It's nice to be in a space where if you have a marginalised identity, you're not the exception for a while. Your experience of that as a safe space is very different to mine and very different to a lot of other yeah. people's. It's Well, women in gay bars, that's a... Women that's in gay bars, f- like femme-presenting women in gay bars, you, the stories I have read of people being turned away because they were ah. assumed to be the hen party or the fag hags or... I've got friends that were queried at the door of, um, of GAY. You do know this is a gay, gay club, right? Just because they were not presenting a stereotypical... I'm not claiming panacea here. No, indeed. It's very nice that that exists for you, but that currently doesn't exist for me. Yeah, it disenfranchises quite badly. Uh, this, uh, this is one of the downsides, of course, of something that tries to build a weird niche mm. thing is that it draws its lines and then those lines become cemented and... Um, 
Yeah, not unproblematic. Where am I going with this? And there's no universality of experience. Yes. Day to day, it can quite often feel like, in my little bubble, we don't need quote-unquote gay bars. But I still find them quite nice to go to, or exclusively, it doesn't have to be bar, exclusively, like, nominally queer spaces can still be quite psychologically useful, quite pleasant, and obviously they come with, you know, wouldn't it be nice if they didn't come with, with horrifying caveats? And seeking out... It's still pleasant to see your marginalised identities reflected in mainstream media. I, I fucking loved that about Young Avengers. I even liked it in Runaways, which got super problematic super fast. Um, sometimes it's horrifyingly, alienatingly tone-deaf. That's a problem. It's okay, they're a shapeshifter. Yeah, I don't even know what was being erased there. It was just so horribly confused. Not um, scrolls. Scroll visibility. Scrolls were represented pretty fucking well. Um, I don't think I'm making any kind of coherent... Am I even making any sense? I'm just saying words. So That's the point of the podcast. Yeah. You say words into the microphone. Sorry, yes. So, re- so representation is a useful thing on one side. On the other side, there is... Please buy this issue of X-Men. It's North Star's wedding. No one gives a shit about North Star as a character no. at all. So, North Star's wedding is a marketing ploy to annoy the shit out of people and get them to read X-Men. You were saying you hate Bobby Drake. I fucking do. I've never seen a portrayal of him that wasn't at least some of an asshole. But that's kind of his... I mean, he's always been... So in the, in the original X-Men comics, he was the youngest. He was the cocksure little fucker. Well, yeah, I mean, you'd overact if, you, if, if everyone else had fucking eye blasts and mind powers and you just threw snowballs. Because that's all he did originally. The early version gets a rough deal. But, like, the good version of that is Spider-Man, right? If you... The endearing version is Spider-Man, whereas I never felt that it was meant... It, it never felt like posed assholery of the, of the sort I could get behind. It felt like bad writing much of the time. Yeah, that's fair. He's kind of been the broiest of characters for a long time. Which is presumably part of what they're playing with, with... There's been a long, there's been a, a, a sort of fan theory for a long time that Bobby's gay and overcompensating, and this is what they're. And they've just off. come out and said it, and I just, oh, I don't know. I don't want to say cash in because it's a weird. It's not that. It just, there's something very dissonant about it. The way it's done is semi-sensitive, I guess, and it's funny in a Buffy-ish sort of a way, and there are some nice kind of character beats and there are some great panels and uh, I can't put my finger on what bugs me about it I, I do wonder if it's Buffy maybe... was criticised for the same thing of course it was criticised gay so, now yeah gay now uh, are you sure you're not bi because you used to like dudes no gay now Buffy's also like... addicted to magic yeah mm. like, there's so much wrong with that I, I mean I'm, I call full on bi erasure on Willow Rosenberg I yeah, there's, there's people who have been shouting about it in the X-Men issue where essentially the conversation breaks down to hey, they say everyone's bi, you sort of feel all the way gay though. That weird phrasing. And I know that yeah. Jean's meant to be a fucking idiot in this as well. Like they're, they're all meant to they're be all teens, kids, but, but still. But I don't, I don't think it's necessarily the same thing. It sort of feels like that's okay if she can read his fucking mind. There's also, there's, I think there's some bi-erasure in they say everyone's bi as just a throwaway that no one yeah. examines, you know, presented as a kind of known truth but not actually really acknowledged as a thing at the same yeah. time. I had, I had that from a lot of people in my early 20s. And 
it sort of feels stupid in the comic and it feels stupid in real yeah. life. There's a spectrum. Yeah. And everyone gets to fucking be what they want. Crucial. And and change that if that's yeah. what's working for them at that point. It's... Yeah, it can be fluid. It's all that point where people are getting... Pe- people are... So people want to see themselves represented. People don't want certain things to happen to characters. And there's a whole mass of opinions on this. At the same time, you're talking about something that can only happen because a teenage version of an existing character has travelled through time to the future. It raises unique problems that you are not going to face. Well, the unique problems are negotiating the difference between future and past self. And there could be... So here's what what I like about it is we could tell some fantastic stories, right? There Mm. are some really interesting queer identity stories that can be told by the fact that and maybe it'll do this, maybe it will. It's got enough space to. Mm-hmm. Teen Bobby, past Teen Bobby, has had a unique opportunity to get this out in the open. And I think, I think these characters are still supposed to be like from the 60s or something, aren't they? They're supposed to be from... A, they're, like, meant to be, they're meant to be from about 15 years ago. Okay. In a fluid, yeah, comics-y way. Okay, so from, from past, and they can make that past more or less oppressive. Um, the 90s weren't great. No, no. Oh, God, it's actually 2000. Shit. Let's not, yeah. Um, so he's got this... There's a story they could tell, which is about the relationship between past and present self and the identity opportunities that are presented. Um, the capacity he has to kind of own this and be it a bit more and the different choices and the different places. Or and there's another separate story they could tell if they want to around the fact that maybe the present version actually isn't gay and there are different forked paths and identities and universes yes it's one issue they could go off in other ways there's a lot of really cool stuff they could do here and they could make the whole story about that in a way that I've argued against previously because it's quite an interesting way of doing so if you're gonna don't like here's the one-off funky twist coming out story in the middle of another story do like here's an interesting in-depth exploration of gender and sexual identities one, one thing that no one really seems to have picked up on is that the rest of the issue is another character saying I've met myself from the future and I don't want to be that guy hmm. which seems like a sort of deliberate counterpoint yeah um, someone sort of on the surface saying no fuck that I'm going to take whatever chance I can get to change. And, and it's all know, counterpointed against Magic's self-presentation as wink to camera cheesecake. Yeah. There's more going on there, I think. And I don't... Bendis doesn't seem like the sort of guy who would deliberately just fuck with people for the sake of it. Yeah, I don't know. I just... I... It's all a little bit clumsy, but I, I think preserve... a lot of the clumsiness comes from the fact that it's about time-travelling teens meeting their own older selves. Well, yeah, but that's not actually complicated. It is when there's 55 years of... Uh, it would be pretty hard to pull off, of like, here. Mm. It's kind of complicated. Oh, God, yeah, can you imagine us having to talk to our 15-year-old selves? It would be part Oh, God. Just oh, God. Oh, God, my first thought was a good thought. But both both of me would, would hate me. Yeah. Fifteen. Have you read? We can fix it. I have. 
Yeah. That's not the message that I would be giving. 15-year-old Roger would hate everything I've become. So Archie did another very sort of markety... They introduced a out gay character, Kevin Keller, and Archie is kind of like permanent 1950s. Uh, everyone meets in malt bars. There are picket fences. Archie's, Archie is good, clean fun. And so people kind of shout themselves over that. Um, and again, it feels sort of cynical in a, in a sense in that it was very much legislation has been passed. We're having a gay marriage issue. Um, issue of the comic, not societal mm. issue. Um, but it doesn't feel like they went as far. And the reason that I think I'm kind of well disposed towards that in a way that I'm not with the Marvel stuff is that a bunch of people shat the bed and demanded that Walmart and Rite Aid and all of the sort of middle America stores remove it from the shelves. The full Streisand. They weren't full Streisand. It was the it was the 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 million mom march, and you know we've got a million people against this. We've just sold out, and we've sold out again, and we've sold out on the third reprint. They went absolutely full Streisand. It didn't. It went really, really well for Archie, and people kind of accepted that mix of Middle America with the modern day and the fact that things actually change. So I don't read Archie. I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest it was probably just sort of sanitised, media-friendly, middle-class gay. Yeah, everything's middle-class in Archie. I didn't realise Sabrina the Teenage Witch was a spin-off. It's an Archie. Yeah, really. I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. The whole franchise. So there's... Um, the really bad cat. Yeah. yeah. There's a... Uh, there's a it, was, it was like comics in the 70s. There's a, there's a um, series at the moment, so Archie started doing adult comics, and one of those is Afterlife with Archie, where suddenly there is a oh, zombie right, uprising. Sorry, four adults. Yeah, yeah, not just Not porn. the sex one. No, it's not like Fantagraphics just made their money in the 90s by Eros Comics. No, um, there was a... Yeah, there's, there's a series called Afterlife with Archie where basically everyone in Riverdale, their peachy little community gets turned into zombies and it's like actual full-on gore and horror and of course it turns out that sabrina the teenage witch is a necromancer and that's why there's fucking zombies everywhere they're they're actually kind of good at this stuff um i guess the point i was making there before we got sidetracked by sabrina the teenage witch which is always a good sidetrack yeah uh you're basically describing most afternoons for my entire time at university yeah i watched that show an awful lot Um, I wasn't watching it on purpose. I was basically patting someone on the head who actually liked it and going there, there, life's okay. That was my role at university. I quite liked it. Life's not okay. No, I was lying, yeah. obviously, but... Yeah, life will never be okay. No, 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 no. If, if X-Men has taught us anything, it's that North Star's going to marry some dude that no one's ever heard of and that life won't be okay. It's a constant struggle. Is this, is this our conclusion about gayness in mainstream comics? Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. I don't think people should be quite as down on the X-Men as, as, yeah. as they were, but it doesn't mean it's great either. I don't think we really have a, a thesis here other than that it's kind of nice that it's happening, but it's not necessarily happening nicely. I, I don't know. I just... we're, we're leaping from crisis to crisis in a way that's not necessarily good for anyone. We haven't even gone to Batgirl. 
No. But well, probably isn't time because we no. do need to wrap this no, up. No, but... that, was, that was a whole different thing where basically the, the creators wanted to marry the character. DC said no. The creators said DC are homophobes. DC said no. We just think that marrying the character no leads, to, leads to um, a dramatic stasis, which we've already talked about and it's a lot of bollocks and none of us are comics editors but even we know that so basically dc were wrong and then they were wrong yeah that's normally there how they operate yes that's that's standard procedure for the dc editorial offices they get out for we're not homophobes is we don't understand writing so yeah that's a they're homophobes yeah that's my conclusion i'm I'm gonna go with homophobes that's my bet they have just taken on a whole load of new editorial staff um, some of their some, from Vertigo, but some of their harshest critics. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. But they wanted to retire Vertigo and mush it all together, and that's a whole different thing. That was also bad, maybe. That was bad. And I, I wonder if I wonder if, in part, my mixed feelings about mainstream gay representation comics reflect my mixed feelings about gay representation. I don't know, full stop, or my own identity a little bit, I, I don't know. There's partly this slightly puerile or slightly needy desire to see these identities reflected, and that, that, goes, that goes all the way up to 11, where I will put up with some fairly shonky shit just because it's kind of gay and I'm kind of enjoying it. For that. I don't think that's necessarily puerile. It's, it's your human and you participate in things. That's... At the same time, Fiction. As, so I kind, of, I kind of want that at the same time as also wanting to get to a world where it's just another thing and it's completely incidental and it's smeared across the normal distribution and not a thing. So that sort of part of me that fetishizes the thing and seeks out the thing, but then politically also wants the normal distribution. And it feels like we're inching towards that. Yeah. The only way you can do that, though, is by throwing it at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yes. Well, yeah. You, can you can't the... change everything at once. No. And while it is minority rather than you know, basically reflective of society, it's still going to be doing that. It's going to and be... I, I do think that representations in the mainstream are getting less ghettoised and less crass. Yeah, I think I would, I would pretty much agree. But it's never going to be linear, and we've kind of expl- explained, but we've covered some of the... This bit of it was good, this bit of it was bad, this could be better ground, you know. It's... They're also very safe. There's a massive tendency to adorable teens... No one wants to be mean to gay teens, apart from like a whole bunch of people who want to be mean to gay teens, but they would much rather be mean to a couple of, you know, older, maybe not white, possibly HIV positive gay men. That's a much less palatable sort of execution of gay in mainstream. Yeah, where, where are the mutants that have had the sharp end of the 80s and are just Really fucking angry. Yeah, all of my friends died. That was a plotline in X-Men. Not not quite in that way, but all of the ugly non... non, uh, Basically the non-photogenic mutants in a separate group. X-Men has always been an allegory, a ham-fisted allegory for marginalised identities. Mm. It's interesting that it doesn't always do marginalised identities well. Yes, I find this. I find this your core premise. It's your core fucking premise. And the audience can often not get it either. You're reading this book that's fundamentally about diverse representation and minority stuff. Except no, it's about cool fist fights with lasers. Yeah. Do you get the problem of conflation with the individual's inevitable sensation of being slightly 
adrift from things. So people read it mm. and they see self in it rather than othering as a group and a concept. Fucking hell, Wolverine's yeah. cool. That is that you yeah. seeing yourself in X Men? No, no. I think I think that's I think that's exactly the thing though, right? Like there's this, it has this, and has for a long time, for as long as it's been going, had this story about marginalised identity to tell. And people understand it in a motherhood and apple pie sort of a way, in the kind of... The, the problem we have at the moment, with one of the problems we have at the moment, where racism, overt racism, is seen as beyond the pale in the mainstream. But people's perception of what that means is personal racism, not systemic racism. Mm -hmm. Systemic problems are still hard to talk about. And when you point them out to people, they react badly. Hence, you know, Gamergate. Hence, the American mass media reaction to Ferguson and Baltimore. When you point out... Everything that's happening currently, yeah. yeah. When you point out systemic inequalities, people's reaction is, I'm not racist, sexist. I'm not a bad guy. Your analysis of systemic problems sounds very complicated and academic to me, and I deny that it exists. Mm. Yeah. So the current perspective of personal anism is beyond the pale fine that's that's still progress but the actual shit we need to shift is structural systemic problems which are hard to think about and when you tell people about them they get prickly there's also the issue of you have said something that is racist sexist homophobic without possibly intending to or without having examined what you were doing it doesn't mean that you are an irredeemable human being. Um, you've just said something bad. You should probably apologise and try not to do it again. You're going to get defensive when someone says that. You're going, yeah. There that's are good the, ways of saying it. There thing. are bad ways of saying it. Blah, tone policing. And they're, they're, okay, right. But also, the internet always goes to eleven. Well, we're at risk of turning this podcast into one of my forbidden blog posts. But yeah, there. This whole situation is is a mess of, of nuance. And for every marginalised group that you do manage to move the needle on, there are plenty of others who get brushed away yeah. as you're doing it. Progress progress isn't even across all marginalisation, and that's really yeah. fucking hard if you're not... Well, until... In, when you're in either camp, really. Until last year, Stonewall threw the trans lobby under the bus. Yeah. And they're fixing it, but... Gay stuff's come really far for a lot of gay men of a certain class... Things are still extremely fucked in some places for, say, women. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, that's not... Yeah. That doesn't make me feel good, even though progress is a thing I aspire to overall. And thus you get the, not just the the left that tears itself apart, but the left that, that groans under the despair of not being able to fix it all and, and goes towards apathy rather than action. And this illusion of homogenous progress, of a uniform front marching forwards is an entire fiction and one basically constructed by and for people like me so we can sleep at night. Yes, let's ignore the misogyny of the male gay community because progress... Yeah. Ah. Yeah. The male gay community has a lot to answer for. But yeah, but straight are... white guys are fine, right? Yeah, you guys yeah, are pretty you'll, you'll much be, okay. Right. Don't, don't worry, don't worry. You've got a beard and everything. You're doing masculinity absolutely right. Yeah, it's, it's And good. quite a deep voice. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. You're tall. Yeah, fine. Yeah. You're really rocking this whole masculinity thing if you want to kind of really, fix my bike yesterday if you want to really sort of strike out for equality a bit more you could you could maybe get married and have some kids that would be you don't have the face of a man who wants to do that not right now mm. it seems like a lot of effort yeah to be honest most of, my, most of my time is taken up editing podcasts mm. doesn't leave a lot of time for raising children no. I don't I don't think like we've arrived at anything other than that comics are 
probably about exactly as fucked as diversity discourse, but crucially, not much worse fucked, whereas they used to be. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I don't think the mainstream is poisonous, nor is it a solved problem. Some of the discourse around it is kind of poisonous. Um, hey, and that goes in both directions. There are people who want absolutely the best for everyone who are screaming into the void. And there are people who are horrible, horrible human detritus who are very effective communicators. Mm. But at the end of the day, the best thing to come out of this is a bunch of churches have to explain the continuity of all new X-Men number 40 to their baffled congregations to explain why Iceman being gay is a bad thing. I and have this wonderful mental image. I know it's not quite what you said, but come with me on this journey. Imagine for a moment, if you will, Ian Paisley. Imagine a whole oh, new God, world. Sorry, naked and trampolining with his dog. No, just that's just, Jerry Adams. Oh fuck! You're I'm confusing getting, your I Irish am, firebrands. I'm confusing my fucking mid twentieth century politicians. You're confusing DUP and Sinn Fein. Oh, and I won't, I won't do the accent, but I've got it in my head. Can Ian Paisley just not trampoline naked with a dog as well to make yeah, he's, his he's dead. So. But imagine not dead, pre-death, still living, Ian Paisley, like proper bastardry, yelling from a pulpit, just explaining Age of Apocalypse. Come with me on this journey, is it not masterful? Big spicy hoop.